Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host today, Christoph, joined along with Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Christoph. How's it going, man? It's good. How are you doing? I'm well. This is a big week for you and the youth, isn't it? Oh, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, as we got Disciple Now this weekend. Man, that is so exciting. Yeah. There's like yeah. 10 or 15 people coming, right? Oh, man, we have. And I'm not I'm not normally, I always feel like I have to qualify I'm this. joking. I, I'm not a big numbers dude, but yeah. like how cool that we have, um, we have 60 kids signed up for Disciple Now. Yeah. Um, and there have been so many, I, I, I'm i sure you've probably, well, hopefully you haven't gotten sick of it. I, I feel like I have shared so many stories of even just getting to the point of like these kids being registered of just like really neat stories of what God is doing in their life. And I'm praying that God would use this weekend to just like continue to do that awesome work in them. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really pumped. I, I'm already encouraged just like coming up to the weekend and the weekend's not even here yet. So um, really cool. I love that you said that though, about like, you're not a numbers guy cause you're not. And no, we aren't, yeah. the, we aren't as a church either. It's, it's just exciting for, I think sometimes, you know, when I'm hearing you prepare and talking about ministering to students, it's helpful for people to have in mind, like, what are we talking about? What kind of group is this? Yeah. You know, and, and this would be meaningful if it was five students, right? It's important yeah. no matter how many, but it's amazing that God would gather that many who want to spend an entire weekend focused on Jesus and being with him in relationship with others who want to do that. That isn't, that is a miracle. We all know that in our own hearts, we don't crave that it's him doing that. So yeah. Yeah. it's just something to celebrate and I'm excited. I'll be praying for you Thank and you. for all the students. And I know people listening to this will be too. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Pray for the, uh, pray for the adults and the leaders too. I, I yeah. think that's the other part that we have 60 students, but then we have probably 15, 20 different adults who are also investing their whole weekend and on, on this weekend to make sure the students can have this weekend, um, which is just incredible. And, and oftentimes I always love hearing, and I always share this with my leaders, like, this weekend is just as impactful for them as it is the students. And so oftentimes leaders will be like, man, the speaker said this thing, or we had this interaction with a student that really like affected me. And so uh, I, I get the opportunity, I get the real blessing of it, getting to sit back and see God work not only through students, but also through these adult leaders. And so, um, man, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, that is super exciting. Yeah, that's a good call. We need to be praying for all those who are giving of themselves, right? And yeah. Also, uh, a supernatural act to say, I'm going to give my weekend away. Yeah. You know, it's really, <laughs> it really is. It's, yeah. but it's amazing. It's worth it. It's yeah. not one of those things. It's not worth it. It's a worthwhile invest investment into lives. Yeah. Right. That are eternal. Yeah. And yeah, it's amazing. Well, I'm excited. You have, you have a bit of an exciting weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're preaching on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, so we're not actually going to be, this is kind of wild. We are, we're going to have back-to-back podcasts where the person who is preaching is not going to be on the, <laughs> on That's the true, podcast. That's true, right? Yeah, because you won't be here next week. No, I won't. Uh, and Jay is not here right now, obviously. Yes. He's he's off doing something somewhere. I don't know. He's, he's being yeah, with the seminary stuff. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you give the way more charitable take. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's so so. We're here. We get a chance to talk a little bit about his sermon on Sunday, and we're going through uh, this I Am series, and we were in uh, John chapter ten. Yeah, John ten. I I just love this series. First of all, I mean, so we did the first week was just I Am this right. absolute statement that Jesus gives, just like God did. Yeah, right in the Old Testament, so identifying himself as divine, and then now we're going through these more like descriptors of, of, of what it means that he and who he is. And so we had, I am the bread of life is coming up. We had, I am the good shepherd this last week. And then the week before we had, I am the gate or yep. I am the door. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, Jay just 
kind of rounded out the I am the door one with the I am good shepherd. And there was so much uh, to glean from that one. There's so many different angles. I, I, I'll just share one. I'm curious what for you really struck you. I mean, yeah. one of the points that struck me, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure no matter where you are, uh, something probably did strike you. But for me, it was the kind of the first point was that God, the shepherd knows us, that he knows his sheep. I really have been finding comfort in that lately. Yeah. That God, he knows me. He knows like the good. He knows the broken. He knows the weaknesses. He knows all of the things. He knows when I'm misunderstood by other people. He knows. And there is something so comforting to know that the one who is looking out over us and our Savior knows us that well. And I think it's interesting because from another perspective, that could be super threatening, right? And like sure, put us yeah. in a position of like kind of extreme vulnerability that this person knows us and even the hidden things, even our, you know, our thoughts and our motives and our desires. But I think the longer that I walk with Jesus, the more I find that to be freeing because when I like, when I suddenly realize, for example, a pattern of brokenness in my own heart that I didn't see before, it's really amazing to realize Jesus could see that all along and loved me and wasn't irritated with me, you know, it's full yeah. of mercy. Yeah. So I don't know. That was one of the things that I took from it was that Jesus revealing himself as the, I am the good shepherd. It's just, he knows me that well and intimately. It's, it's funny you said that because that was the thing that stood out to me. And mm. it was actually a more specific piece of that um, where, where Jay had mentioned I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up how he how he specifically said it, but he had mentioned that um, we oftentimes focus on our knowing God and mm-hmm. how we fail in knowing God. And so what we end up doing is we end up exporting that feeling onto God and feeling like he only knows us insofar as much as we know him, when in reality, he knows us completely. He knows us completely. And, and that is incredible. And I was waiting for him. It's funny. I've been waiting the last two weeks. I thought for sure he quoted Tim Keller last week and I thought he was going to quote him this week. Um, I had, I, I pulled it up on my phone really quickly because it reminds me of this quote from Tim Keller that just stands out to me is um, to be loved, but not known is comforting, but superficial, right? So to be loved, but not known is superficial because, well, why do they love you to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. Mm. And and to know that, to say, okay, like even, like I would say the, the person who knows more about me than anyone else in this entire world is my wife. And, and what she knows about me is still even a fraction of what God knows about me. Like, and he, he loves me completely is just an incredible, incredible thing to think about. Um, every, like you were saying, every nook and cranny, every uh, highlight, every low light, every uh, brokenness, every broken piece, every you know, put whatever. He he loves you through. Like that is incredible. And he calls his sheep his, right? Like that's. Um, so yeah, that that was the thing that stood out to me too, because uh, for a long time in in my walk, and I feel like there's a lot of people that um, maybe this will be encouraging. Is is for a long time, I went down the road of like, I needed to know more about God. knowledge of God was like incredibly important to my walk with him. Because of course, the more you know him, the more you know about him, the more, um, and it, like that, that's not to say that that isn't important, 
But what oftentimes happens is when a finite being, a created being looks to the infinite, looks to the creator and says like, well, my, my love is dependent on my knowledge of you. Like we, we just, there's like, there's no, you'll go crazy because there's just no way you can fully, there's no way we can fully know God. We just, we like, we like our, our minds would explode if we tried to. Um, but the fact that he fully knows us, fully loves us is so freeing to be able to live in that freedom of like, I can grow in my knowledge of him bit by bit and piece by piece as like he reveals to me. And as like, as I'm growing and that's a, that's just an, that, that turns from instead of an incredible pressure, which it, which is what it used to be for me. It used to be this big time pressure to now being this like incredible freedom of just like, I can rejoice instead of like mourning what I don't know. I can rejoice in what I do know. Yeah. That, there's a lot of freedom in that freedom from striving. Yeah. Right. And I think freedom, even from, I don't know. I had a friend who used to use the fr- the phrase, quit the audition. <laughs> he would say that. And it, it, what he meant was there can be a sense sometimes that you have that, that you're auditioning for a role in a play or mm. a part in a movie and the movie is your life. And uh, the point is you don't need to pretend with God. You don't need to be someone you're not. You don't need to put on a costume or act a certain way. He knows you. He knows you. Even even he knows when we do that, when we're pretending. And I, I think like you mentioned, like your wife's knowledge of you and how that's so comforting and how God knows you better than that. And I, I agree with that. And I, I think for me, the other part of it is just that he knows me better than I know myself. So like even my self-knowledge is limited, you know, even when, if I ask myself, why did I just do that thing? Whatever the thing was I yeah. just did, I have a guess, but I don't know that I always really grasp fully because of my own brokenness and self-deception and blindness. I don't always know why. And I don't always know what I need, you know, all of these things. And if you think of yourself as a sheep with a good shepherd, um, the, the freedom in that is that he does know though. Yeah. Why do you think we fight against that? Because we, we live in a time where the actual, the title of being a sheep has been kind of weaponized and like mm-hmm. used as a, uh, as a pejorative term of like, that's, you don't want to be a sheep. Mm-hmm. Don't be a sheep. But then, but then here's Jesus going, no, 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 no. You are sheep and I am the good shepherd. So like, why, why do you think, I guess two parts of that question. Why do you think we've, we've gotten to a point where that's sometimes used in a negative light, um, and how can we, how can we redeem that? How can we, mm. how can we live in that? Cause what you just said was so true is like, we actually get freedom mm-hmm. when we're, when we recognize that we are the sheep. Um, wh- I, how, why, why has that been broke? Wh- why has that been broken? And then how can we claim that freedom or how can that be redeemed? Well, I think it's, it's the whole reason Jesus uses that constant metaphor is sheep are actually not the brightest animals, right? They are not, they are. <laughs> They are dependent. They yeah. They don't have a weapon that they can use to defend themselves against, you know, a, an enemy against a predator. They don't. They're not the best at finding food. You know, like I read once about a bunch of sheep in Turkey. This is like 20th century recent. Okay. Uh, you know that they were for for lunch or something. One of the shepherds went in and wasn't watching them for a second, and one sheep jumped off a cliff, and all the rest followed right off the cliff of course to, you know and sheep are not bright so i think that's i mean part of the reason it's like a pejorative now is that it is an insult to human pride 
So I think that's so, the so that's, key. So that's what it's like. It's yeah. kind of like twisting a little bit on that pride. Yeah, one. because yeah. human pride says, I am self-sufficient. I am the master of my universe. I am the center of all things, right? That's human pride. And sheep aren't very good at that. So you don't want to be a sheep because a sheep means you're dependent. And it's interesting how God has, you were just reading his word and how he's revealed himself to his people throughout, well, not just centuries, thousands of years. The lesson seems to be over and over and over again is that God created human beings to be in intimate relationship with him. And the kind of relationship it would be is that they are dependent on him for everything in their life. So whether it's the Israelites wandering around, yeah, you know, in the wilderness, needing him to guide them by day and then protect them by night and to provide manna to eat every day, like whatever, whatever they're doing, it's always, you need me to live. You need me to be okay. Cause you're not okay on your own, on your own. It doesn't go well. And I think that just, that's an insult to prideful human beings. Mm-hmm. It just is. And only by the grace of God will any of us bend the knee and say, I'm not, I'm going to refuse to indulge that part of my flesh. Cause we all experience that feeling, right? That, that, that's part of what gets triggered. I think when we are misunderstood in a way that we feel is like not just it's the human pride in us. Like I want to justify myself. I got to explain why I was actually right. Why that person was wrong. So yeah, I, I, that's an interesting thing though, that you bring up that culturally that has become yeah. more common to be insulted as a sheep and, I would just say it's interesting how it's saying more that's true than what the person who says it probably realizes yeah. as an insult. Um, I think it, what's yeah. interesting to me is yeah, what in, do you think in the, well, in the parable it there, there's no question that we're all sheep. It's not mm-hmm. even a question what mm-hmm. the actual, so like what the actual um, dichotomy is, is between the, the good shepherd and the thief, mm-hmm. you know? And in the question is, do we, are, are we going to be led by the good shepherd? Or are we going to be taken by the thief? And, and that's where part of me wants to go whenever somebody's like, we're not sheep, like, don't be a sheep, all that stuff. And it's like, well, uh, but you are, the question isn't, isn't whether or not you're a sheep. It was like, you're saying like, at the end of the day, it's just, it, it is, it is who is leading us, who is following or who are we following? And one of the things that, so this was the other thing that really stood out to me from the message on Sunday. So there are two things. And I got to tell you, Sunday morning was kind of wild. Uh, you and I both listened to the sermons later on. You were helping out in children's ministry. And I was, uh, I was home with kids that were um, closely, uh, they, they were, they were close to big buckets because they were, uh, they were not well, <laughs> they were not well. The, uh, the stomach bug hit our house Saturday night and, uh, um, and Sarah had to lead worship on Sunday. So I was home with them, taking care of them. But, um, uh, the other part that really stood out to me uh, was the unity, right? Mm-hmm. The unity that that comes from um, being the sheep that 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 the shepherd is bringing into one flock, one family, and he pointed out um, just the importance of of that, of how that's what the uh, disciples were. That's what they were uh, worried about, not worried about, but that's what they were working towards, striving towards was this unity among believers because of the recognition of like, Hey, if we're going to be in this, if we're going to be following the good shepherd, if we are going to, we need to be doing that together. And it wasn't like different pockets of flocks. It was one flock. It wasn't Jew and Gentile. It was the flock. Right. Um, and that just, that, that really stood out to me because I, I think that, when you think about it in terms of following the thief, the thief does the opposite. The thief then has like all these different flocks and all the things going around and, you know, the good shepherd's 
flock is a singular flock. It is a singular family. Like what this brings to God's family is unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, remembering it's the shepherd who does that, right? The sheep don't right, actually choose right. that on their own. The shepherd shepherds them. He moves them and he brings it, them into the fold. And, and that's each one of us. Like the, that's the moment I think in this, in this story here, this metaphor where we're like, that was me. I was, I was once not part of this and now I am because he brought me in specifically me. And it's interesting the, the continuing on with the shepherd and sheep, that's just a fun thing to trace throughout the Bible, but especially in the gospels there, it, Jesus uses it over and over again. Um, like the one sheep who's lost, the shepherd goes and leaves the 99 to go right, get the right. one, right? Yeah. And he brings the one back and he's just full of joy. He tells that, that, that metaphor, by the way, right before the prodigal son um, story, that the famous one of the lost son who the father waits for with compassion until he comes back. But you know, the other passage that's coming to my mind, I mean, it's related to unity as well, but Jesus says, it, the description is like, he's looking at the crowds and it says that he has compassion for them. And then it says, he says, for they are like sheep without a shepherd. Mm. They're harassed mm-hmm. and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that's where, again, back to your kind of little cultural analysis you did earlier about how being called a sheep is an insult. It's interesting that human beings don't necessarily readily admit or even readily feel like the way Jesus described. Like, so he said, he looks at them and he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and helpless. That is the state of anyone without a shepherd. Yet as prideful humans, we don't think we need a shepherd. And, and I, I love his response to that is compassion. Yeah. It's not, I'm frustrated with you. It's not, I'm irritated. It's compassion. You know, what's wild too is it, is it really any, like, I feel like there's a connection here between that in the fact that we live in what is known as the loneliest generation, right? The loneliest generation. Mm-hmm. So we are we are a people who say that we don't need a shepherd. We are a people who say we don't need to be a part of a flock. We don't need this unity. And yet we are a people who are the most, uh, by by a lot of um, a lot of studies and a lot of cultural analysis, saying that we are some of the loneliest generation. And I wonder if there's a connection there of a because of our pride, because of our running from the shepherd because of our uh, running from being a part of a flock. Um, we are feeling the effects of that sin culturally uh, through our communities, which to me goes church. We, we, we need to be the church in our communities. We need to be um, the flock who are pointing people to the shepherd. We need to be that salt and light in our communities because that's, that's what's missing, right? It's not that they're missing um, it's funny, the, the, the popular book that came out kind of identifying this was all about um, bowling. I can't think of, um, was it Bowling Alone? Or um, I cannot think of the name of the book now, but there's a, there's a really Sorry, popular book. Sorry, I can't book help you there. We, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's okay. Um, but there's a really popular book that came out probably five years ago or so. And essentially they were saying, man, nobody goes to community bowling anymore. Mm. Why not? And they were pointing out that communities that tend to be thriving are the ones who are still doing things out in the community, right? And so you could point to it and you could go, well, we just need to do more community things. But the problem is, is that those are just things. And those are still um, sheep without a shepherd. Those are still sheep that are not a part of the flock. Um, and so what our communities need is Jesus. What they need is the shepherd. And we need, to be the, we need to be the salt and light in those communities that are pointing it to them. That means we need to be going and being a part of our community, 
being salt and light and then inviting people in to like, Hey, this, this is why I have joy. This is why, like, this is, this is where that light comes from. And I just, I, anyways, that, that's kind of where my brain goes with that. That's really, I love that. It makes me like the last thing you were saying there makes me think it'd be a worthwhile exercise to think through, to answer the question kind of ahead of time. So if someone said, what is it like to be a sheep with the good shepherd that you claim you have? What is that like? Mm. Like, how do you experience that in your life? So, sorry, let me just understand. Are you saying that like somebody who, not someone who's not a part of the church asking that to somebody who is? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be a fair question, right? Yeah, we're saying, absolutely. we're saying like, we believe we have a good shepherd and we are his sheep. I think it's, it's just a worthwhile thing to kind of work through it a little bit. So what does that mean? Like, what is that like? How do we experience that? Because to me, like what you just described, this being, being together, belonging to God as a family together and living that out, one of, the, one of the ways that we do that is by experiencing the reality of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. we're, not, we're not making that happen. He makes that happen and we experience it. We grow in Christ's likeness. We grow in experiencing him. But for each one of us, existentially like in our daily life that will look a little different of how we experience oh absolutely yeah and i i don't know i was just thinking that that could be a really worthwhile question to have even around the dinner table you know what is that like how would we start to identify the ways in which i think you know we might be tempted to go a little more abstract with that So, so you could say well one answer to that question could be well i have eternal life i have security that i will be with him forever which is true but I guess the question I'm asking is more on a daily basis. What difference does that make in your life? And yeah. what is that? How do yeah. you experience that being a sheep and with a good shepherd? And I think that's where the rubber meets the road and where it would be really compelling as people would hear. Yeah. Well, because, because, you know, baked into each and every person, right? Each and every person is the image of God, which means there is something in each and everyone who recognizes things are not the way it's meant to be. Right. Like there, we, we, like there is a brokenness to this world. And like, I think that just, that, that resonates with everyone. There's not a person it doesn't resonate with. And so we're always pointing them back to going, well, here's why we were originally created to be this sin has broken it and made it this. So now God is working through and redeeming me and bringing me back to what originally life was supposed to be like. And so part of that good hope is going like, yeah, here's, here's where like sin has like broken me hear how sin has affected me. Here's how, here, here is how God is redeeming that. God is bringing um, and working through in my life to bring it back to what it originally was, was, was meant to be. And like, I think if we're able to, I, I've said this a couple of times and this is just really kind of stuck with me is I think for a long time, for me personally, the gospel always began at sin. And so whenever I like thought of the gospel, I was always like, well, we've got to point out people's brokenness and their sin and we've got it. But the, but the Bible actually begins at Genesis one, not at Genesis three. And so the gospel actually begins with God as creator. God is like, it, the gospel just begins with God, right? It doesn't start with your brokenness. The actual gospel begins with there was a God, is a God who created. And so I, I think towards that tangibility side of it, like what then does that look like? Mm-hmm. So I, I love that you're like, yeah, not just, because I think for a lot of, a lot of us, we, we, we do. And it's a, what is an incredible, what an incredible truth that there will be a, an, an eternity that we do exists with God in, um, where there won't be any more of the effects of sin. That's just beautiful. That's awesome. But how incredible that we can, we can have glimpses of that truth as God is redeeming and working through this world. 
Yeah, right now. And to like, me, what does that, that look like? Yeah, and I, I think that's that's the conversation. And you know, for many, some of us, we might immediately have answers to that. The way in which we feel shepherded, the way in which we experience him as shepherd, the way in which we f- experience our limitedness as a sheep, mm-hmm. you know, that might be the easiest place to start is like, where do you feel limited? Where do you feel I need help? And oftentimes I think in those moments we feel like that's a liability, hmm. right? Like hmm. there's something wrong because I can't do this. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, actually yeah. that's by design. Yeah. That is the way it's meant to be. You are, you are meant to need a shepherd. You will always need a shepherd and he is the shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so when we, when we feel that, like whatever it is, the vulnerability, however we feel the vulnerability, that is by design. It is meant to, and it's orchestrated to help us see and re- and reveal more and more how Christ fulfills that need, how he takes care of us in that need, how we depend on him in that need. And it takes practice, I think, to be able to talk about it. So that's why I'm suggesting it as a conversation, you know, yeah. with people in church yeah. because, or families, because I think if we want to be able to share it with people who are not accustomed to talking about Jesus in this way, we need to be able to do that with each other, people who know the you know, know the assumptions we make when we start talking about vulnerabilities even. Yeah. Well, is it, I mean, isn't that, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's first Peter three 16. I'm, I'm reading it up. So I don't, you stop too, too oh, soon. You three stop. 15, I think. No, it's, that, it's three. Be, be ready to give an answer. Are you talking about? Yeah. With gentleness and respect. Yeah. The reason for the hope it's, that it's it was 50, it is 15. Okay. You're right. I was close. I was that's close. Right. But that's, but that's what that's saying, right? Be ready in all seasons mm-hmm. to give a, an explanation for the hope that lies within you. Like if we are going to be ready, that implies a practicing of recognizing what that hope is. Mm-hmm. And it should be a joyful practice for us to be practicing, um, sharing with one another what that looks like. Um, so I, I love that point. I love that point of, you know, make it a practice in your families, make it a practice um, with your friends, with your whatever community, like community of believers you're you're a part of, maybe a gospel community, small group, whatever that looks like, um, make it a practice to share that hope with each other. I I always loved it was it was a great paradigm that Jay actually gave years ago, and it has really stuck with me. Is sharing the gospel, sharing that hope, first of all, begins with sharing it to yourself. Like we should constantly be in the practice of sharing and, and reminding ourselves of the gospel personally. We should be in the practice of sharing it together as a as a body of believers, and then we should be in the practice of sharing it with people who are are not believers. Oftentimes, we're not sharing it with people outside of the church because we're not sharing it with each other inside of the church, and oftentimes we're not sharing it with mm-hmm. each other inside of the church because we're not even reminding ourselves of the hope that lies within us. So, um, to bring it all the way back, like foundationally, remind yourself constantly of the hope that lies within you. Remind others around you in your family. And then share that with those outside of your family. Yeah, that's a really good word. And we have all kinds of help remembering with remembering by just living. Yeah, yeah. Because before this podcast is over, or maybe during it, you probably felt, yeah, I've got this thing I can't figure out. Or I don't think I can do this on my own. Or oh, man, the list just whatever, keeps growing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so those are all means uh, that God has ordain for us to experience that. And that's kind of an uncomfortable thing, right? Like I'm limited. I can't do this on my own, but it's meant to, to accomplish something that is so great and grand. And as you do that within yourself, kind of rehearsing that and reminding yourself of, of his shepherding of you every day, that leads us to worship, right? And 
That's what we need so much. Our hearts need to desire him, to love him and enjoy him. And as we do that, then the things we've been talking about, like being together, belonging together, that's how we then experience that in community. Yeah. So I love that you went there. Like, yeah, we, we need to be, I think the word is actually like it's meditating in the true biblical sense. It's ruminating on and chewing on and absorbing as much of, of that truth as we can in our everyday life. I love it. And, and to kind of tie it, just tie it all the way back as we do that, as we like meditate and, and, and just like chew on that. The thing that I love is that it's not that you are necessarily going to grow in your knowledge of God, like more facts about God, but you are going to grow in the truth that God knows you infinitely and truly at, at your deepest core and he loves you. And you're going to grow in that knowledge. And mm. that is like, there's, there's nothing better. There is nothing better. That's what we were made for. Yeah. I love it. Well, I think that's good, Jeff. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. If, if you have any uh, topics that you would like discussed, if there's any way we can be praying for you, any way you want to get connected, um, we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email, connect at faithpeshtigo.com. And as always, church, go in peace. Go in peace.